Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. We think the way to be successful is to rule over other people, to put our desires before other people. That was the spirit of Herod. But contrast Herod's formula for success with that of another king who is found in this passage, the real king of the Jews, King Jesus. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffers. Well, Christmas is just a few weeks away, but as we celebrate the birth of our Lord, it's important to remember that not everyone received this news with joy. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Jeffress shares the other side of the Christmas story about a misguided king who bought into the world's philosophy for success. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome to a brand new week of Bible teaching on Pathway to Victory. At this very moment, I'm holding in my hands the brand new Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. And I have to say, this is one of the most attractive editions we've ever produced. The leather-bound cover is slate blue with gold accents. And best of all, there's a chapter I've written for every single weekday in the new year. More than 500 pages in length. Each devotional is written so that you and I can walk together in spiritual harmony throughout the coming new year and many years to come. There's a copy of this devotional waiting for you. All you need to do is go online to ptv.org, give us a call, or write us a letter. Ask for the Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023 when you give a generous year-end gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. By doing so today, your gift will be applied to the wonderful Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge that's active right now, meaning that whatever amount you choose to give will automatically be matched and doubled in size. I'm going to say more about the daily devotional and the matching challenge later. But right now, I want to infuse a little Christmas joy into your day. Our congregation at First Baptist Dallas is a singing congregation. In fact, we've put together a Christmas music CD for you, and David's going to tell you about it later. But right now, would you enter into the worship center at First Baptist with me? Let's enjoy this wonderful performance by the First Dallas Choir and Orchestra singing Christ is Born. Thank you. 
it's time to continue our teaching series called Celebrate the Savior. I've titled today's message, A Portrait of Two Kings. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, this is the first king mentioned in the passage, behold, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Wait a minute, that was the title of Herod. He was the king of the Jews, but they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled. That's why he said in verse eight to the wise men, oh, go find him and come back and tell me where he is so that I may too come and worship him. Right. <laughs> Look at verse nine. And having heard the king, they went their way and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and they fell down and they worshiped him. They worshiped Jesus. Look at verse 12. They worshiped Christ. Verse 12 says, And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. I want you to think about Herod for a moment and how he responded through his life and especially at the birth of Christ. And I want you to think about three phrases that I think sum up Herod's philosophy of success in life the world's philosophy of success in life. Philosophy number one, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. That was King Herod. Herod had another philosophy that guided his life. The phrase, don't get mad. What is it? Get even. And yet Herod also realized that revenge alone wouldn't do it. Sometimes you had to be on the offense. And that led to his third philosophy, do unto others before they do unto you. Herod was always looking to stamp out his opposition. But perhaps his most monstrous act is the one that Matthew records, when, as an act of paranoia, he had all of the Hebrew children two years of age and under slaughtered in order to exterminate this Messiah that the Magi had informed him about. Look at verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged. And he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its environs from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. That was King Herod. But contrast Herod's formula for success with that of another king who is found in this passage, the real king of the Jews, King Jesus. What is the philosophy that guided his life, his desire for success, which he had, by the way, his desire for significance. What were his philosophies? Well, to answer that question, turn over to Philippians chapter two. Remember the church at Philippi was being torn apart by internal factions, and Paul wrote this letter in part to help solve the divisions in the church. And he gave them the formula for a smooth running church. He said in verses three, four, and five, 
Here's the way to have smooth relationships. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the attitude that governed Jesus' life? Well, just like I gave you three mottos that governed Herod's life, here are three mottos that governed Jesus' life. Motto number one, if you've got it, you don't have to flaunt it. If you've got it, you don't have to flaunt it. You know one way to spot a weak leader? <laughs> he's always running around reminding everybody he's in charge. Anytime somebody has to constantly remind people they're in charge, guess what? They're not. That wasn't Jesus. He never had to do that. Look at Philippians 2 verse 6. Talking about Jesus, it says, Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard his equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that that's the first time he arrived on the scene. No, that's when he came in human form. But Jesus is co-equal to God the Father. He existed from the very beginning and will exist for all eternity. Jesus is not a subservient figure to God. He is equal to God the Father. In fact, Jesus, did you know, is the one whom the scripture says is responsible for the created universe. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, for by him, Jesus, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things, and on in him all things hold together. Jesus is God. So here's the million-dollar question. Why is it that Jesus, co-equal with God, was willing to take off his heavenly robe and come to earth to empty himself? Well, that leads to the second motto that describes Jesus' philosophy, and that is others first. Others first. In Mark 10, verse 45, we find this remarkable self-testimony Jesus gave about himself. He said, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the fact that God was willing to come and plant all of his being in that tiny embryo in Mary's womb... The fact that he did that has great implications for all of us. One thing the incarnation, the coming of God in the flesh means is that God understands you. He's walked where you've walked before. There's no heartache. There's no trial. There's no sadness you face that Jesus himself has not experienced. Dad's here today. Are you sometimes worried about how you're going to provide for your family? Jesus understands that. He didn't have a family himself, but he knows what financial hardship is about. He lived hand to mouth most of the time, not knowing where his next meal was coming from. Teenagers, single adults, do you ever feel like an outsider? Ever feel like you're an alien? Nobody understands you? Jesus has been there. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood by friends and even by family members. 
There's some of you right now, this is a hard Christmas for you because you're still mourning the loss of somebody you loved very much. Jesus understands that. He understands what it is to stand over the grave of somebody you love more than life itself. Jesus understands because he came in human form. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tested in all points as we are and yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw confidently to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The fact that God became flesh means we can talk to Jesus about what's happening in our life and know we have a sympathetic high priest. But the primary reason God took human form is the reason Paul mentions in verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, I want you to listen to me and those of you watching on television. At Christmas time, a lot of times we try to work up all this sentimentality and warm feelings over a baby born in a manger. And quite frankly, it's hard to keep working that up year after year. Because if we're honest, although it's miraculous, there's nothing unusual about babies being born. Babies are born all of the time. That night in Bethlehem, there were many babies being born in Israel. The meaning of Christmas is not that a baby was born. That's nothing unusual. The story of Christmas begins with the manger, but it has to move to the cross before you can understand the significance. See, this baby was not any baby. He was God in the flesh. He was a baby who was born to die. And the reason he came and died on a cross was so that he could take the wrath of God, the punishment from God that you and I deserve for our sins. You see, the Bible says we've all sinned, every one of us. Popes and pastors, presidents and prostitutes, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says because of that, the wages, our deserved payment for sin is eternal death. Every one of us deserves to spend eternity in hell separated from God. But Jesus came to take that wrath of God, to satisfy that wrath of God that we all deserve. Isaiah the prophet understood that 700 years before Jesus was born. He said this about the Messiah, Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6, but he the Messiah was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, Jesus, the Messiah. There's a third philosophy that explains the life of Christ and his philosophy for success, and that is the way up is down. The way up is down. For all of their differences, Herod and Jesus shared this one thing in common. They both died excruciating deaths. The Jewish historian Josephus describes Herod's death. 
Josephus writes that Herod died of, quote, ulcerated entrails, putrefied and maggot-filled organs, constant convulsions, foul breath, and neither physicians nor warm baths led to his recovery. That was Herod. Jesus, the Son of God, died from the most painful type of death known to man, that of crucifixion. But that's where the similarity ends. When Herod died, his body rotted in the grave, and his spirit was dispatched to an eternity in hell. When Jesus, the Son of God, died, on the third day, God raised his body from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven, and guess what? He's coming back again. And that's what he says in verses 9 to 11. Therefore also God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Two different men, two different philosophies, two different destinies. Now let me ask you the question this morning, which path are you following to success and significance? Herod embraced the world's philosophy. His life ended in humiliation. Jesus embraced God's formula for success, and the result for him is eternal exaltation. God says this about success. The way up is down. The way to be great is to be a servant. Have this attitude in you, which was in Christ Jesus. I want you to lean back and relax for a moment, okay? Don't reach for your car keys. I want to tell you a Christmas story. It's not original with me. How many of you remember the late broadcaster Paul Harvey? Everybody remembers Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey used to tell this story almost every Christmas about a hardened old farmer who had turned his back on Christianity. One raw winter night, the farmer heard an irregular thumping sound against the kitchen storm door. He went to a window and watched as tiny shivering sparrows, attracted to the evident warmth inside, beat in vain against the glass. Touched, the farmer bundled up and trudged through fresh snow to open the barn for the struggling birds. He turned on the lights, tossed some hay in a corner, and sprinkled a trail of salting crackers to direct the birds into the barn. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, still hid in the darkness, afraid of the farmer. He tried various tactics, circling behind the birds to drive them toward the barn, tossing cracker crumbs in the air toward them, retreating to his house to see if they would flutter into the barn on their own. But nothing worked. The farmer, a huge alien creature, had terrified them. The birds could not understand that he actually desired to help them. And so he withdrew to his house, and he watched the doomed sparrows through a window. As he stared at them, a thought hit him like lightning from a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, one of them for just a moment, then I wouldn't frighten them so. I could show them the way to warmth and safety. At the same moment, another thought dawned on him. He had grasped 
the whole meaning of Christmas. Although Jesus existed in the form of God, he did not regard his equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant, he was made in the likeness of men. And having appeared in the likeness of man, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's what Christmas is all about. Imagine the depth of God's love, sending his only son to sacrifice his life on our behalf. That's the radical life-changing message of Christmas. And this is the good news that we declare every single day on Pathway to Victory. Not long ago, we received an encouraging comment from a grateful mom in St. Petersburg, Russia. Her name is Oksana. She's been praying for her wayward adult son. While visiting his mom, this young man saw Pathway to Victory on television, translated into his Russian language. Through tears, he gave his life to Jesus, and his broken family has been restored. Isn't that fabulous? Look, this young Russian father has a lifeline and pathway to victory because of generous people like you. Our program is penetrating into Russia, and in Ukraine, and even Israel as well. And now I'm urging you to give a generous year-end gift toward the fabulous Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge. Because of this matching challenge, your generous gift today of $200 becomes $400. A gift of $400 is matched and therefore becomes $800. A $5,000 gift would become $10,000. It doesn't matter how much you give, it will be matched and therefore doubled in its effectiveness. Plus, when you respond today, we'll say thanks by providing the exclusive 2023 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. It's leather-bound and contains a customized reflection written for every Monday through Friday in the coming new year. Don't delay in taking advantage of this special offer to leverage your gift while receiving the devotional at the same time. Now here's David to tell you more. Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support this ministry, we'll send you a copy of the all-new leather-bound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. If you'd like a copy, call 866-999-2965 and request yours, or you could visit our website, ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include this month's teaching series, Celebrate the Savior, on CD and DVD featuring the most inspiring messages from Dr. Robert Jeffress on the events surrounding Christ's birth. Plus, the included music CD features the very best Christmas music performances by the incredible First Baptist Choir and Orchestra. And because of our Light in the Darkness matching challenge, any gift you give today will be doubled in impact, meaning there's never been a better time to give to Pathway to Victory. Call us toll-free 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. A lot of folks prefer to write. Here's that address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. If you had to explain the meaning of Christmas in a single sentence, could you do it? 
dive into the Apostle Paul's brief yet profound summary of the Christmas story in a message called Simply Christmas. That's Tuesday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.